called healthy lives. Come on, somebody. Healthy lives, healthy families, and a healthy church. And we talked about a healthy life and creating healthy habits. And I want to talk about today on in a healthy family. This month, we're dealing with healthy families. And to, to have a healthy family, we need to make healthy choices. Because if we fix our personal life, church, and we start creating healthy habits, then we learn to make healthy choices. We start making healthy choices for our family. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalms 128. Psalms 128. The Bible says, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, when you shall eat of the fruit of the hands, or another one says, you shall eat of the labor of your hands. Hmm. I love that. You shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine, my God, in the very heart of your house. Your children are like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thou shalt the man be blessed. Who fears the Lord. The Lord blesses you out of Zion. And may you see good of Jerusalem. All the days of your life. Yes. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Father we thank you father. For your word. We thank you. For everything you are doing God. I pray God you will speak to us. And Give us a revelation of your word, God, that we would open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits, God, that you would cause us to be healthy spiritually, mentally, and physically, God, and you would cause us to understand your word and what you have for us, oh God, that we would create healthy homes, healthy families, healthy lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. Come on, let's give God a great clap offering. It's, it's so important that we understand that, that the word of God is laid out for us. And um, if you know about the Bible from Genesis, God creates everything in the universe. We talked about that, all tithes and offering. I keep on forgetting about tithes. If you, need, <laughs> if you need an envelope, lift up your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. Amen. After I taught about giving, I don't even, I've been for, twice I already forgot about it. I know you haven't forgot about it. Hands are going up. We're going to give really quick. I'm going to pray for our tithes and offering. Amen. We know we give, amen, from a cheerful heart. And we know that we give because we God has delivered us, God saved us, and we are grateful. And our gratefulness shows through this. Come on, somebody. And, and we show God, thank you. I want you part of my financial, my financial life. And so we're going to be learning about that in the book, too. So it's going to be awesome that we talk about all these things. Not only are we going to be healthy in our lives and healthy in our families, but we'll be financially healthy. Come on. That's, that, that is awesome. That is awesome to know that. Amen. So let's pray for our tithes and offering. We'll pray to declare a blessing on it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your church. 
Thank you, Father God, for those who know the principles of giving what belongs to you, God. We give our tithes and our offering. We trust you. We declare a blessing on your people. I pray for those that need a job, provide a job. I pray for those that need a raise, provide raises, God. I pray for their businesses. I pray for uh, uh, just blessing on their children and their family. Open up the windows of heaven. Pour the blessing on your people, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. Come on, give God a great clap offering. Amen. Amen. Okay, back into the sermon. <laughs> you know, God created the heavens, the earth, the animals, uh, uh, the universe, uh, the mountains, the seas. He created everything, every creepy thing on the ground. He created man, and then he created woman from the rib of the man. We talked about that. And that instituted marriage. He instituted marriage. He tells them to be what? Fruitful and what? Multiply. And so, so God cares about marriage. God cares about family. He, he, he loves family. So God instituted family before he instituted the church. Before even church was there, there was family. And so that's why we got to understand that the church is us. We're the church. The Bible calls us Inglesia, the called out ones. Come on, somebody called out of darkness. Come on, somebody out of darkness into the marvelous light. And so you are the Inglesia, you're the called out ones. And so he said, I, I called, and I called the man of God, I gave him dominion, and I brought woman out of him. I developed this into this family so the man can be the head of his household, that he can lead it in the right direction. You with me? And so this is the thing that we have to understand that there is so many attacks on the family. The family gets attacked. How many here, your family has been attacked? My family has been attacked. My family has been hit. I know your family has been hit, and the enemy likes to get those attacks and turn them into statistics. Look at this. According to the statistics, at least half of this country families will eventually fall apart. Culturally, over half of the marriages end in divorce. And half of all the children of our nation are growing up without knowing who their father is. How many know we need to break these curses? Come on, we need to break these things. That there's not gonna be no more divorce in the home. Come on, there's no longer gonna be division in the house. There's gonna be a father in the home. Amen? Everybody okay? Good, please, because we need to set some stuff up where we can understand this today. Hmm. Society says, tells us that the, the breakdown of the family is the most critical issue that face our nation today. Psychological and psychologically, they say that, that the breakdown in the family is a critical issue to our nation. And that, look at this, and that the devastation, huh, the news has reported a lot of this. You see a lot of stuff on the news that is happening on TV that shows about broken families and broken things. When we see a lot of the crime, it says that it's coming from broken families. We see a lot of the violence happens from broken I came from a broken family. My father left the home when I was five years old. My mom had to fend and go get on welfare, and she had to get on welfare five times, five different names, if you know what I'm talking about. And so I grew up in a dysfunctional family, stepdad stepping in, and him being dysfunctional, 
and creating more madness and more pain, more hurt to, to the siblings that were there. And the woman stays connected to them because that's the only way they see they can survive. So they live in a broken, unhealthy family. Everybody with me? So then what happens to the children? The teachers in school are finding out that they have to do more than teach. They take on the, 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 the job of becoming a, parent, a, a surgical parent or what do you call it? A, a surrogate parent. They are parenting some of the children because of, of some unhealthiness that's in the home. The, the police department act as the disciplinary. They discipline generations for being undisciplined. So the police are especially disciplining young adults, uh, teenagers, and people that don't have discipline at home. So we run the streets and we have no respect for authority. I was, I was, anybody was one of those? Thank you for telling the truth, some of you. And so the police department will tell us, what are you doing out here? Why are you dressed like that? And we would get mad at them. And we would cause crime. And you're like, I ain't doing nothing wrong. You know you're doing something wrong. You got a screwdriver in your back pocket. And you got gloves on a hot day. You know something's wrong, guy. And we know who's wearing the gloves. You know what's going on there. And, and so we, get, we, we see these things happening. We see this stuff taking place. And so the thing about this church is there's some unhealthiness. So we need to break these curses. Come on. We need to break these curses. We need to become healthy parents. We need to become healthy, healthy children. We need to become healthy dreamers for our future. I want to become healthy for my future. I want to become healthy because of the dream God gave me. Anybody got a dream? Come on, does anybody have a dream? Does anybody have a future that they, that they want? Make healthy choices, church. We need to learn to make, some say healthy choices. Healthy choices, healthy choices. Listen to this, please. We know there are broken hearts in this church and around the world. There are broken lives. People who have made mistakes and people who have done things wrong. Anybody here? Come on, somebody. We, we, we know that exists. But if you repent, you are forgiven. Come on, somebody. If you repent, you have been forgiven. Now choose to start making healthy choices. Come on now, say, you know what, Pastor, I've made wrong choices as a parent, as a teenager. God said, great, but you've been forgiven. Now it's time, amen, not to beat yourself down. Come on, somebody. Not to look at yourself as, as a bad parent or, or, or a bad teenager. God has forgiven you. You have been, someone say forgiven. You have been forgiven. Now start making healthy choices. Now start saying, I want to make healthy choices. I'm, I want to I'm I'm be, be a better mom. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better parent. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's very important that we understand this. Because too many people continue being dysfunctional because of their past. And we allow 
our children to do things because of how dysfunctional we went through things. Oh, it got quiet now. I love it. And so we have to understand you have been forgiven. Someone say, I've been forgiven. Come on, say it with me. Say, I've been forgiven. Come on, parent. Say, I've been forgiven. We, we have been forgiven. And so now I'm going to start making healthy choices. Because have, we have stages of our children. You know that. We have three stages of our children. We have the toddler stage where they're beautiful and, and they're, they're nice and they do poo-poo and they vomit. And, and that's, you know, they steal a little candy here and there. And they act, that's, that's like, oh, we can go through that. Then they start getting into the teenage years or the, let's say the middle school years, the tween years. And all of a sudden they start getting a little attitude. And they don't want to go with mama no more. And they don't want to, you know, they start getting, getting, gaining their identity. And they start making some choices. And some are good and some are bad. Because their, 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 their thinking is this small. Look at it. And their emotion is this big. Then they become teenagers. And oh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it's like, oh my God, I didn't show you that. I, I never taught you that. And it's like, wow. And the pain and hurt come and, 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 and things that you were like, wow. And these are things we go through. But the Bible says, if you train a child up in the Lord, when he is older, he's going to come back. It didn't say how old he was going to get. But he's going to come back. She's going to come back. He might be a teenager, she might be a teenager, and she might be in her 20s, they might be, but they gonna come back. Come on, somebody. They got to come back. They don't need to come back to church here, but they need to, they're gonna come back to God, and they're gonna come back somewhere as long as they're going to church. Woo, man. Someone said, he coming back. You gotta declare that, he coming back, oh. And don't talk bad about them. Oh, oh, my kid, he's this and she's that. No, 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 he's coming back. She, he's coming back. She's coming back. Because I'm making healthy choices. And I, I, I'm declaring God who God is. God's forgiven me. And I know they're coming back because I'm giving them something, to, something healthy to come back to. So look at Psalms, if I can, Psalms 128. How blessed is Everyone, someone say everyone, who fears the Lord. Wow. See, first thing the psalm says in verse 1 and 2 is that the Christian family begins with a personal commitment to God. A healthy choice, someone say to commit. You need to make a healthy choice to commit to God. How blessed is everyone who fears, someone say the Lord. Hmm. Who walks in his ways. There is so much there. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Someone say fear. fear. Now, now the word fear simply means in awe and reverence. They're like, oh wow. There's a reverence towards God. There's a respect toward the things of God. They're saying, no, I fear God that I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to be like that no more. I don't want to step out no more. Come, and when you do that, God says, there's a blessing that falls on you. Come on. There is a blessing. How blessed 
is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. So there is a fear, but then you keep walking in the things of God. You keep walking in the things of God. Before he starts talking about family unity, church, he talks about the people who make up the family unit. Before he gives into all the family in this, in this chapter, he's dealing with each individual. Listen to this. I love this part. He talks about the people who make up the family unit. Why? Because in order to have a healthy family, you must first have a healthy person. Are you with me? In order to have a healthy family, there must be healthy people. Someone say healthy people. In order to have a miserable family, you must have miserable people. In order to have a healthy family, the individuals need to be healthy people. In order for the house to be miserable or unhealthy, there has to be unhealthy, unhealthy, miserable people. Wow. Amen. So, so to start, so the starting place to fix the family to make it healthy is fixing people. Is fixing, someone say me. me. Oh, say like you mean it, say me. me. It's not about fixing her. It's not about fixing him. It's not about fixing those. It's about, someone say, fixing me. me. And that's what we dealt with on healthy lives, is getting us to be fixed. So if you fix you, you start getting healthy habits. You create healthy what? Choices. So everybody is trying to fix their kids without fixing themselves. Everybody's trying to fix their spouse without fixing the spouse itself. And God says, for that to happen, the members of the household must have their lives centered around God. If you're, if you're a believer, your life should be centered around God. The first choice to a healthy family is commit yourself to God. Come on, there's, there's no other way around it. There is no other way around it. You can try to. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can be married and be in a toxic marriage. You can be married and, and have this, this, this different stuff dealing with things like that. But when, you, when you're a believer, God must be the center of your life. Come on, somebody. God must be the center of your behavior. God must be the center of your thinking. God must be the center of the things that you do. So to fix an unhealthy family is putting God in the center. Someone say, put God in the center. Put God in the center. If, if they are not centered around God, then the unhealthiness of their lives will rub off on the other members in the family. So because the father is unhealthy, it rubs off on the mother. And when the mother is unhealthy, it rubs off on the children. So the children says, if they're doing it, but I don't care. They don't care, so I don't care. And if I don't care, they don't care. So we just all don't care. Amen. I've been in an unhealthy, an unhealthy family. 
My family, we didn't care about nothing. Whatever, huh, Karina? That's my sister right there. We were beating up our, my stepdad. That's what we, she got thrown and I got thrown out. We were teenagers. So it was constantly fighting. Every time my, my father, they were always physical. My stepdad, he loved her, but he was physical. And that physicalness is not, is not I don't, no man should put a hand on a woman. So when I was, I was like, I was like in third grade, second grade, and he hit her over the head with something. There I am jumping on him, getting knocked out, getting beat up. I was, I was small. And then they would get, then they would get, the police would come at that time. They would come and they would just, they wouldn't even do nothing, leave him there. He bloodied all over the place, busted open with the head open, and would get us and take us to a, a unit in India where we all stay, remember that place, stay in an apartment and stay there for two, three days. And there she was back home again. Back in a healthy, in a healthy marriage. Back the same thing over and over again. Because you can be in an unhealthy marriage and think it's fine because they're providing, taking care of the kids, but you pay for it and the kids pay for it. I think all the kids, all of our kids, all of them in the house became drug addicts, gang members, messed up, or except Karina, she was perfect. She never did nothing wrong. Well, I don't forget it. We, we remember things. How many remember things when you were a kid? Is this, is this talking to anybody here or just me? So they come on, somebody. And so this is what I want. So when I got saved, I decided I didn't want that no more. I didn't want that as a man. And I was sure not going to get a woman that's going to be like that. So if we're going to create a healthy families, we need to deal with the root of the problem. We can't just all oh, the leaves and the glory of family. We have to deal with some things that's going to make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Preaching should make you uncomfortable that make you feel better at the end. That's the way the Spirit of God moves. So if you're uncomfortable today, good. You're going to get better. The, it's like you, if you don't know how to fix something, you don't want to fix it. But after you know how, then you fix it. Someone say healthy families. See, when God says how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, he is saying, listen to this, to take God seriously. Someone say take him seriously. He's saying take God seriously. We have to take God seriously. If we don't take him seriously, we'll continue messing around. As parents and as, as teenagers. If you don't fear God, your lack of fear will show up in your family by the way you serve him. When you don't fear God, it'll show in the way you serve God at home. It'll, it'll show the way you serve God outwardly. And if you do fear him, it'll show at home. Then it'll show outwardly. So you've got to take God seriously, and we have to have a reverence and respect for God. Come on, give God a great clap offering, amen? See, see, God is like the sun. God is like the sun. Listen to this, please. And you are like one of the planets. I love this analogy that I've seen. You can only have your orbit straight if you stay within the gravity pull. You can only be continuous in the strategic movement of everything when you are where you should be. 
Pluto circles the sun between 2 billion and 4 billion miles away. It circles. It's still in the place where it should be. The sun keeps it in its gravity pull. The sun keeps it in its gravity pull. It would leave our solar system. It would take off, fall away. See, we have to listen. It, it, listen to what I'm saying. It would leave our solar system, church. We have watched families leave the solar system and get flung down to space. And by utterly destroying, because the sun was no longer the center of their life. Nor a control, the control factor that kept it growing. God was no longer the center. If we are not men and women of God, if we don't raise our children to be children of God, then we shouldn't be surprised if we are flung out into outer space. So to speak of if our lives spin out of control is because we didn't keep the son of God center in our lives. So the, the Pluto would take off and disperse if it wasn't in this keeping the sun and the gravity pull where it's at. And when we don't keep Jesus where he should be, we find ourselves being lost and dispersed into outer space and doing things we thought we would never do again. So stop blaming everyone and look internal. Internal. You know that your success is only allowed by the pain you can endure. Your success only comes by the pain that you can endure. When you can't take it no more, you, by the hurt you take. I've been hurt. I've been through stuff, and I'm holding on. I'm like, God, I can't do the God said, no, you're a rubber band. Keep on going. And I feel like I'm about to break. In my marriage, with my children, in the church. And he says, and I'm like, no more. He says, no, I gave you what you, you can handle it. I won't give you something you can't handle. I won't give you something you can't handle. Ooh. Everybody okay? All right. So we have to understand this. So he's saying if he is the center, blessed or happiness is not deprived or it does not come, listen to what I'm saying, please, for what you have. I'm not happy because of, or happy we become happy because of what we have or the places we go. Well, I'm here, I go here and I go there. That's, <laughs> or the money we make. So we dictate happiness in the home by the things we have, by the places we go, and by the money we have. That is false happiness. That is false happiness. Because what happens when you can't go nowhere no more? And what happens when you don't have no more money? And what happens when, when, when you don't have nothing no more? And that's taken from you. Thank God for these things. But that shouldn't be your happiness source. Come on, my happiness source is Jesus Christ. See, rather it comes because a person is in the gravity pool of God. Because you are connected to God. You are, con someone say connected to God. 
It comes when you fear God and when you take him seriously. So when you say, you know what? I'm committed to God. I, I, I'm, I'm, I love this. I love this. I have a reverence for God and I'm taking God seriously. Come on. And when you start doing that, you start making healthy choices. You start making healthy choices. Three things will happen because of this, church. God takes care of your future. Number two, he takes care of your feelings. All those emotions he starts taking care of. Number three, he takes care of your house, your home. Come on, somebody. He takes care of these things. And, and so please look, look at this. And, and I, I just want to touch a little before I, I transition right now. Is he says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, in the ways of God. Not your old ways, not, not going into your nut bag, because we all have a nut bag. Anybody here, when you start getting, you don't like what you like, and you start getting mad, and all of a sudden, you, oh, there's the old you. Look at number, verse 2. When you eat the labor of your hands. See, a healthy marriage takes work. It takes work. It takes work. It's not a one-sided thing. It takes work. The husband needs to put work in and stop being a little baby, and the girls need to be, put work in and stop being a little mama's girl. Well, I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Stop. My wife used to do that. But she was young. She, we got married. She was 19 years old. We were 19 years old, and we were, we were going through things. That was our first year of marriage. She would get mad. I'm going to my mom's. I'm like. And then she would show up to try to get something. I'll block her, and you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we would get an argument. She would take, oh, this, this, this is 20 years ago, 20-some years ago. And, and, and then she would take all of them, I'm happy she's gone. And then she found out that I was happy she was gone. So she, I, we're going to talk about this now. Like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but 21 years of marriage, you might not be married 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, 1 year, but we all have to work towards getting it to last long. Come on, somebody. We have to get it to last long. Someone say, make it last. Make it last. Make it last. Make it work. So here we go. He says, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. Man, who does not plant something and goes and is, is happy when he sees all his fruit and he eats it like, man. So your labor will bring you happiness. If you're working that marriage, it's going to be happy. There's going to be joy. There's going to be satisfaction. It's going to be there. But if you ain't working it, don't expect nothing. Expecting God to do everything. God, you deal with her. You don't want to be nice to her. Be nice to her. I'm getting ready for the marriage seminar. Praise the Lord. We'll move on. I'll save that for the marriage. There you go. They go, you, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. That'll make you better when you fix you and give out goodness to her, then you, you feel better. Mm, mm, mm. Vice versa. Look at this. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine. My God. She's not going to be all sucked up. She's, she's not going to be all chupada. 
She's going to be fruitful, man. She's going to want to be around you. She's going to want to talk to you. She's going to want to love you. She's got joy. She's got happiness. She's got smiles. She come in. She's happy doing what she's doing. Why? Because the man is laboring, doing his job to have a healthy family. It doesn't just affect the wife. Look what it does to the children. In the, in, in the very heart of your home, the heart of your home now is beating because there's Jesus at the center and there's healthiness, a healthy beat, a healthy beat. Your children like olive plants all around the table. Your children are blossoming and giving fruit themselves. They are a blessing to you and to the house because the man fixes himself. The woman fixes herself. You notice that God always addresses the man because he's trying to get the man to lead well. Lead well. Behold, thou, behold, this shall the man be blessed, my God, who fears the Lord. There he goes. Behold, the man shall be blessed. That's a blessing to see the household flourishing, a healthy family, because there's a fear of God. There's a reverence to God. They love God. There's a commitment to God. They're staying connected to God. The Lord blesses you. Come on, man. God blesses you. He blesses you out of Zion, out of Israel, out of the heavens. God blesses you to see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. He says, this is, this is generation to generation. Yes, you may see your children's children. He said, look, this is a blessing coming on all your family and all your children. Because why? Because you decided to be healthy and make healthy choices. You choose to put God first. You choose to be committed to God. You choose to fear God. You choose to take this seriously. Amen. But let me tell you about a man who made unhealthy choices. And these unhealthy choices cost him. So either you can be an individual who makes healthy choices and sees the blessing of God. God is taking care of your future. He's taking care of your feelings and he's taking care of your home. Or you can be unhealthy and see these things take place. Go to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. I was going to do it in two pieces, but I said, no, I'm going to do it right now. Genesis 13. Let me read verse 10, and I'll explain some stuff here for the sake of time. Genesis, I know everybody wants to go see the football game. I don't. I don't care about it. <laughs> some of you know why. Praise the Lord. Genesis 13, 10. And Lot lifted his eyes. And saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated each other. Here is, here is Lot. Lot is the nephew of Abraham. 
And if you look at the separation that's taking place was because there was so much blessings. There was so much fruit that the land couldn't contain them because of all the inheritance, all the blessing that was on them. So he gets together and he tells his nephew. See, but what happened is that Abraham made an altar to God for the choices he was going to make. A lot never made an altar before God. He never talked to God about the choices he was going to make. He wasn't center of his life. There was no fear in his life. There was no taking God seriously here. And so Abraham, if you notice in, in Genesis 12, that he makes an altar, he builds an altar in verse 9, verse 7, and 13, he says that he returns to the altar and he, and he, that he had made first. He comes to the altar in, in 13, verse 4. And then after all this happens with, with Lot, who does not make an altar, before Abraham does anything else, he, Abraham, verse 13 says, and Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelled in the, the, the tree of Mamorah, which are in the herb, and built an altar there to the Lord. You have to be willing, church, to build an altar for your family, where you start making choices for that family, for your family. If you do choices without even consulting God, you're going to see unhealthy things happen. And this is what happened is unhealthy choices brings horrible consequences. And we have to understand that, that we just can't be like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm and you never really made an altar and seek God. I tell people all the time, some of the three more ma most major choices you're going to make as a believer is the person you marry. You're not saved and you come, that's, that's, you already, you already done that. But if you're saved... The person you marry is very important. You got you to make sure you get a hold of God because if you marry a person that has not have the same beliefs and the same way going, the same direction you are, you're going to have a lot of consequences. You're going to get stuck in a lot of places and take harder to get there if you get there. Number two, the place you live. You think you just get up and move somewhere. Let me tell you, I've seen people make that decision and regret it for the rest of their lives because they really didn't consult God and they pay for it horribly. Number three, the place you work. You get a job and you didn't ask God and now all of a sudden you don't got time off to go to church and you don't got time off for nothing and so now you're so far from God because of an unhealthy choice where you didn't put God in the center of that choice to marry, the center of the choice to live, or the center of that choice to work. Come on, somebody. Amen. Well, pastor, that's my choice. I know it's your choice, so those are also your problems. Those are also your consequences. So don't get mad at me. So this is the thing. What did Lot do? He looked with his natural eyes and not his spiritual eyes. It's easy to look with our natural eyes because we're natural, we're, we're made of the flesh. We, 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 we freak out sometimes. Anybody, ever, anybody here ever freak out? You're like, oh my God, oh my God, I need to do this, I, 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 got, I, I got this, slow down. Anytime you're going through something and you gotta make a choice really quick, you need to pray. 
If you don't pray, he didn't pray. It never said, he just looked at, oh, that looks good. My good man, oh my, that looks, that looks like a good place. Never does it say that he consoled God or seek God. So he made an unhealthy choice. And sometimes we do choices like that with our, with our natural eye, without our spiritual eye. When your life is unhealthy, you make wrong choices. How many have ever heard we're unhealthy and you made wrong choices? And you paid for them and you're like, oh my, why did I do that? The same thing with our children. Look at, look at our kids ask us for stuff. And sometimes we have to, we have to really speak to God. We have to. We can't just do it without not thinking because it'll pay, we'll pay for it later on. With the friends they hang around with, the places they go, the things that they do. And we don't think of nothing of it because we don't see it until it's too late. I've made unhealthy choices like that. And I had to regroup and make some drastic changes. Amen. Everybody okay this morning? Remember, a healthy habits create healthy what? Choices. What did Joshua say? For me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on, he said, for me and my household, we're going to serve. It didn't mean his kids didn't get weird. It didn't mean he didn't go through nothing. Even great men make unhealthy choices. But they learn from them. They wake up from them. So it doesn't never mean that he never makes them. I've done unhealthy choices. I've, I, and I say, oh my God, why did I have to regroup really quick? So Lot, Lot does this and he takes off and he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah and everything begins to hit him because of that choice. Never once do you again do you hear about the prosperity of Lot. Never again. You don't see about all the greatness that he had. Matter of fact, because of the wickedness that he was at, he goes and he moves there. You know, because the best goes this, that, whatever was going on, he thought it was going to be healthy for his family. He gets there. And Abraham sees everything that's going on. God speaks to him. He says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy this place. He said, well, what about all the people? Well, you find this much people, you find this much people, and nothing, 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 nothing. And he goes, and the angels go. Listen to the angels go. And the angels tell Abraham, I want you to go and get everybody out of here because I'm going to destroy this place. He says, go get all your other family so God cares about family. He tells him, go grab all your family. Go get all. So he goes, tells his, the sons that were going to marry, the kids that were going to marry his daughters, and they tell him, oh, you're full of it, man. You're crazy, man. And because of all that, they, they were trying to listen to what I'm saying. They were still trying to reason how they can get away with it. That all these men came in and wanted to rape the angels. He said, oh, just take my daughters. Come on, how unhealthiness destroys family. He says, oh, take my daughters. That is psycho. God says, no, man, this guy don't got his head together, man. So what does God do? What does the angel do? He grabs them and literally pulls them out. Some of you, God has grabbed you by your hand and pulled you out, but you're still concerned about what's going on back there. 
And God is saying, stop thinking about because we're always like, oh, what about this? But God's saying, no, I'm trying to say your soul is more important than what you're trying to do. Your life is more important. Your children are more important. Your family is more important. You got to see this. You got to see this, son. God is saying, you got to see this, Lot. You got, you know me, Lot. Don't act like you don't know me. You know me. And the wife, what does the Bible says? That she, he's told him, don't look back. Don't look back. And what did the wife do? She looked back and she turned to a pillar of salt because she couldn't let go. And he's dragging them. He's literally dragging them out. Dragging them out. This is my thing to you this morning. To choose God over everything else. Come on, so you have to choose God over everything else so everything else can be satisfying to you with God. You have to. You have to. I'm going to give you three things and I'll be closing. Healthy choices are made by this church. horrible what's in front of you your natural eye it might look like it's no way it can happen it might look like it's nothing's gonna work out but if you look with this spiritual eye because God is the center of your life you can see past that come on you can, you can, you can see past and you can see you know what it's gonna work out it's gonna be better things are gonna work out for us number two learn to hear from God not your emotions. Your emotions will talk to you. Your emotions will lie to you. Your emotions, your emotions, and you're going to die. You're not going to make it. They don't know. And when you hear from God, God says, don't worry. It's going to be okay. I got you. Come on. I got you. I got you. I got you.
been, I've been rejected by my father, abandoned by my father, mistreated by my father, mistreated by my mother, abused, whipped by my father, my stepdad. And I don't use that as an excuse to stay where I'm at and do that to my kids or to my wife. Did I have an anger problem? Oh, yes, I had an I used to fight. I love to fight and fight to love. I got saved the first five years of my Christianity. I was knocking on people in front of the church. I was putting ropes around people's necks in the midst of the director. Stabbing guys in the hole. See, this is, this is your pastor 25 years ago. Josh, was, Josh knows he was in the home. And, and, and back then, and, and I had all this anger, frustration built up. That one day I said, God, I don't want this no more. Take this anger from me. Take this junk out of me. My wife would tell you, I, I don't want this no more. And I was married about a year about that time. And, and I think we were dating one like that. And, and all of a sudden, it left me. And I, I didn't get mad no more. And I didn't take it out of nobody else no more. And all of a sudden, everything began to change. I began to grow up. I begin to be a man. Come on, I begin to be a man at 25. Imagine that. A man at 25, and some men, there are 45, and still haven't grown up. 35. At 25, with a mustache, big old rosa, tattoos. Let's say muscles to make you feel better. Muscles. And still was a little boy.
if you want to go off and do something dumb, go ahead. But you're going to come back. Come on, you want to come back? You want to come back? You want to come back? You have to. So either we become healthy or healthy choices and we see the results of it, happiness, blessings. The kids are like, are like all of vineyards. The woman is all, hey, daddy. Or on this side, destruction, pain, hurt. Life turns to a pillar. You might want that, but no pillar of salt. Loss of things, loss of stuff. Being dragged out with nothing. So, I mean, hey, on you. Don't think that you can do it yourself. We can't. I can't do it. The only thing I've got what I have is because of God. That's it. Because of God. Because God is the sinner. He's the sinner. Someone say sinner. He's the sinner of our lives. He's the sinner. He's the drive. Let's all stand, church. Let's all stand. Before we even do the altar call prayer, I want us to do communion because it's, it's right there. I think we just need to fix some things. Personally, the hand out the elements if you probably got them already. In Corinthians, it talks about examining yourself. And I think God spoke to us. I think God spoke to us. I think God dealt with us. We can get, we can do better. We can become better. And so through the communion, Jesus gives up his life. Church. He sacrificed himself. God says, I didn't spare my own son for you. I gave him for you. And God gave himself freely. He fought a little bit. He said, Lord, not, but not my will, your will be done. And he gave himself up for us, church. And we need to remember this. We have to remember this. And we do this communion in remembrance of him. Of what he's done for us. And how he sacrificed his life for us. That he bore on the cross and he took a whipping for us. For our transgressions and for our iniquities. He was bruised and he was whipped. That means for the internal damage and for the external damage. He says for the internal things that you did with man and woman. Those internal things that hurt you and bother you and frustrate you. He said you were bruised. A bruise is blood on the inside of the body. And he said that blood went in for the internal organs to heal and to heal the emotional dysfunction that's there and the outside ripping of his flesh is so that he would heal the outside wounds of the transgressions that we face and that we go through in life for the temptations that we fall into he says remember this I did this for you for the internal damage and the external damage and I bore on that cross and my body was whipped and broken for you, but to bring healing to you, to bring restoration. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Remember that. Take. Yes, oh God. Thank you, Father. Oh, we can have income for 
for shedding. We're being bruised, we're being whipped, we're being marked for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the mercy. Thank you for the grace. We remember, God, we remember. Oh, God, we, we, we take this seriously, Father. We take it seriously. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, God. And the Bible says that he shed blood. There was shedding. There's seven places where he shed blood. And all these things are significant to certain things. And he shed blood for us, church. But the Bible says without the shed of blood, there is no forgiveness. There's no atonement. The word atonement means to cover. He says, I'm covering you. The love of God, the, I love you so much that my blood is covering you. Speak to God. If you don't speak to God, just begin to speak to God. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. 